Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs>
with yeah, elements that spike up into high magic. Yeah, it's just funny how um, almost bureaucratic the magic use is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... And it's completely dictated by the philosophy of the founding of that city within right. the story. And traditions. You know, mm-hmm. just a tradition to kind of keep that up. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So... Once we finish with that, that's the first chapter. The second chapter of this book, and again, once again, we're talking about Campaign Builder Cities and Towns by Cobalt Press, which is, you know, the backbone of this particular series of episodes. Mm -hmm. The second chapter is called Anatomy of a City. And in this chapter, it goes over... um, So if the first chapter is about the body of a city, the anatomy of the city is about the organs. um, Yeah. If we were to use a metaphor. Okay. So this... This chapter covers geography and climate, mapping a city, evolution of a city, natural resources, climates, determining a climate, geography and climate story hooks. This is one of those things. I'm going to come back to that in a second. Architecture, reflecting climate and geography, reflecting the culture, reflecting the age, reflecting the technology, city districts, dock districts, government districts, guard districts, market districts, religious districts, so many districts, residential districts, and sewer slash underbelly districts. Right. So there's a lot of stuff there. It's all the it's all the organs, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get but one that. of the things I love that they put right in this, right in the it's right in the table of contents, is it talks about um it does story geography and climate story hooks. Um, they throw story hooks into a lot of parts of this book. They'll be to this point and they'll be like, here's a story hook. So when we're developing and writing out this full document for this city, I'm really looking forward to brainstorming story hooks. That's sort of like, once we have all these bits and pieces done, I would love to have an episode where we just sit and write story hooks. Well, it's funny because, you know, we're going down all these pieces, but I'm really interested to see um, how much, how much potential story hooks could rewrite what we've done up to this point sure you know what i mean we're like oh well yeah they don't use magic that much there but then we come up with a story hook and then maybe something That's really kind of, good and we're like kind of bleeds out of it we're like mm. but in order to make this really work you know it'd be really cool is if this aspect was higher magic you know and we should allow ourselves that for option, sure absolutely. yeah just let it grow uh, organically i guess mm-hmm. because so again bringing this to the table mm-hmm. the whole purpose of learning how to do this is so that players at the table have a rich tapestry in which to play. There's yeah. nothing worse than the characters going, well, is there a place where I can buy some studded leather armor? And then as the DM going, yeah, probably, hold on. Flip, 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 flip. Yeah. Uh, so having that, having that, that, that background and all of those developed areas so that the city feels alive and feels real to the players Right, Because when you make that setting feel real to the players, their immersion and their play is enhanced, which mm-hmm. reflects back on the DM because you feel like your players are really engaged with you. Yeah. It helps you plan the story in a way that is fulfilling to you as the, as the dungeon master because most people who are running a game are in some way inspired to tell stories, you know? Yeah. I, use, I use GMing as a creative writing outlet. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just don't get to tell my characters what to do because y'all mm-hmm. don't listen. Right. So, <laughs> or we conspire in secret chat to do the opposite. Behind you. I, you know what? That makes me really happy, though, that you're conspiring in secret behind my back. <laughs> I have not yet confronted my spouse. Well, I mean, about we the haven't started conspiring. the actual chat group yet, but I have more plans because I'm actually boosting up. I have been talking to the other two members about fixing their characters because oh, they're right. so out of whack. Um, <laughs> Well, there's no such thing as a wrong. Th- that's true, but but, it, but I think that once we fix the rogue, I think mm-hmm. the rogue will fit the way that Eliza plays better. You mm-hmm. know, and I think that's what it. That's a, well, that's another diversion, but creating characters, you know, matching your class and everything to the way you want to play a game. Well, and it's also a good note for uh, GMs because when we ran our session zero, it didn't even occur to me to check mechanically how the characters were being built. We talked about class options and what was going to yeah. synergize for the story. Mm-hmm. But I assumed, like, I assumed that people would put their standard array stat in their highest stat. Yeah. That yeah. is necessary for their class, for yeah. instance. So yeah, if I've got a fighter and they didn't put their, and they put their, you know, 15 or whatever, their highest uh, standard 15. array stat yeah. into charisma, and I right. didn't catch you, that, that's that's on me, but. Well, you know, live and learn. Yeah, exactly. And live and learn and then get loves. Wasn't that the commercial? Something like that, yeah. For the diapers, Yeah. So, so anyway, back to here? the anatomy of a city. <laughs> we got bridges here? Yeah. Causeway? So yeah, let's talk about this. So the first part of this is geography and climate. Now, we already have a rough map. Yes. When I say rough, it's rough. Um, on Twitter last week, I posted uh, a sketch of sort of like a, a rough side view sketch of mm-hmm. sort of what I imagined. 
But what you have in front of you is an actual grid paper map, which is probably worse. Again, I'm looking forward to exploring hiring someone to actually write a real map for this. But we have already established that the city of Point Reach is on a segment of the colossal expanse that stretches up into the mountains and then crosses over a giant canyon with a huge raging river on it. The kind of canyon that, like a Grand Canyon-sized canyon Mm -hmm. with a um, Nile-sized river running through it. At least, yeah. Exactly. So everything in the, again, just trying to keep referencing and reiterating the scale, the large scale of this city and the the expanse. And so I imagine that the colossal expanse, for some reason, unknown to us, branches as it goes up into the mountains, and it ends up being four bridges that cross this chasm at various levels. One big main central bridge. Yep. Two side bridges, and then a, a, a low bridge that's low down towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And in our ideas, we said that the lowest bridge is actually the only one that's broken. Right. Yeah. So that's that the broken bridge. Our one. district of probably ne'er do wells. Our ne'er do well district. Yeah. And then the three main bridges, the central bridge and the two side bridges, um, the, all of those elements of the colossal expanse converge after that branching. Mm-hmm. But, or maybe they split in different directions on the other side. But in yeah. in various, th- this was obviously a hub of some point in some point in time of the world. Yeah, when when this was an active causeway. But we are up in the mountains. But we've also already established that the Foreland Peninsula is semi tropic. Yep. So we've said that before. Yeah, we've pretty much stuck with tropical. We have stuck with tropical. It yeah. sort of fits the the edge that we're going for. So geography and climate. The first thing that in this book that it talks about is mapping the city. So that's sort of why I'm talking about the map that we drew. So mm-hmm. I'll post a picture of this map on Twitter and on the website when I when I combine last week episodes and this week episodes into a website post. But the the map, I'm having such a hard... I don't know how... Again, how do people do this? Like they're filling a map with cities. I would even... I need to check who did their cartography in this book. So let's see. Here. Well, I mean, I we the... know in Dungeons of Drakenheim, we can tell the dungeon dudes used... They used... Um, I actually have the app right here on my desktop. I don't remember what it's called, or maybe if I can find the link real quick. It's an it's a dungeon mapping software that you can... I paid money for it. It's on my desktop. It's all right. You then It's one of those ones where you have to then pay for assets. Yeah. Oh, I believe. Okay. So that's how they... Um, I will put a link to the one in the show notes, but I don't want to waste our listeners' time pawing over my really horrifically organized desktop icon mess. Shame on um, I know. You would think, after all this time, that I would organize my icons. I do not. But I also have uh, Incarnate, which I use for world maps and overland maps. Mm-hmm. So their cartography. Let's see here. Cartographers, Sarah Morris, John Pintar, and... Tommy Salama. So, so they're just good at it. They're just good because these maps are these 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 um, overland city maps are just stunning. I just think they're really cool looking, and I wish I could draw like this. But oh well, I can do other things good. So yeah. Um. So as far as mapping though, we have a map in front of us to sort of like envision as we move forward. Okay. Yeah. So that gives you the choices of find a map or roll a map. There's some random tables in here that you can use to build a landmass, but Really, what I want to kind of jump to, and you know, climate, we've already said tropical, and um, terrain-wise, our terrain is relatively easy to traverse because it's all built on flat stone, flat, yeah. magically reinforced stone. Yeah. So there's lots of things like choosing land features and like that you can do like, oh, I, here I want to add a graveyard, here I want to add a fountain kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. we're, this, is a, this is a metropolis. We're not going to do that with every district. We're going to leave the specifics of like, oh, you're in an area with a fountain to the game master, I would think. Yeah. So Yeah, that kind of details I don't think you Yeah. I don't even think it's necessary to spell that out. I don't even think that's spelled unless, out in, unless oh, you had unless you had a, again story hook. Right. Like if or if you were writing reason. a specific adventure mm-hmm. in Point Reach, you would then map out specific areas and say like, well there's a fountain here. Because yeah, there's a, a fountain here and it's been here forever and it's super magical and blah blah blah. Or or it's just dirty water. I mean who or even knows? Nasty water. Yeah. Exactly. Less so we don't need to use any of these. Um, evolution of a city. So this is interesting. It talks through like the growth stages of a city. And it breaks them down into one, a founded city. Then stage two, an established city. Stage three, a developed city. So uh, a founded city is a small, quiet hamlet. They, they use an example one. Um, it's where it was, you know, 
very first built. It's it's basic defense, crossroads, uh, access to a river, and then it moves on to an established city. And because as people use it and people start coming there and developing economy there, it starts building out and then it necessitates housing. And now it requires governance. That's where they, they start adding government. And... Um, then they start electing mayors, and then it hits into developed city, and that's where you start adding in all the different elements. But what's interesting is you probably can't see it very well. The maps here show what it looks like as a town grows and develops. So you can kind of think about it in yeah. terms of, oh, yeah, here's how it starts, yep. and here's how it ends up finishing, which could be interesting and useful for us in developing, like well, where is the government district? Well, where would be the first point they would, like we have to look at it and go, here, where would be the first part? So a whole bunch of people, a couple hundred people looking for a safe place, stranded in a cosmically locked land with dwindling safety um, resources, they find this bridge mm -hmm. that's way up above the ground and it seems like it's pretty sturdy and it can be safe the first people there and they find structures that are largely gutted and abandoned that are yeah. scaled three times their size yeah so what point of these three bridges do they go to first well do you think they would i because I, hmm. would they go to the one closest to the water or would they go to the one farthest up in the air well, I mean, what's a regular survival tact to take? I thought it was get up high. Yeah, if I mean, did they go there because they felt that they were in danger of being attacked? I think of it more like they just, they were like, we've been here, we're stuck here, we haven't been able to find a way to get off, we need to like find a place to call home base. Okay, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think of the motivation in real life, would you, yeah, you would want to get away. they would have been able to find it with skyships. Because oh, that's right. They had early on, they would have had skyships to explore. Yeah, they had their leftover skyships. So yeah, they go high. Okay, so that means our civilization of Point Reach starts at the central main bridge, the one that is the highest, largest bridge. Yep. It's got the most buildings. And that's the other thing. Like, do you think they would have, in a survival setting, what do you think would be the balance between preserving the ancient structures and knocking them down to create new ones? Well, I guess that'd probably be more based on their ability. It would depend on how much of our... Eventually, they would start to try to knock some of them down. Right. Um, but that would also lead to some people wanting to preserve some of them, right? The, in theory? From a, in, some in theory? Might, yeah. Like, is there, a, is there an Estorakian historical society that says that, you know, you can't change that roofing tile? Again, from a survival perspective, I don't know how much they care. Right. And well, and that's that's it. They're all working together and they don't care. It's just about survival. But so, I think resource-wise and for the sake of speed, maybe at least for... There's got to be some structures that were built inside mm -hmm. these larger structures that are still sure. standing. I liked, well, I always liked the idea that like a... What was a house on the Colossal Expanse, expanse could be a four-story... <laughs> Right. Yo, for sure. Mansion. Yeah. And that's what like they a did. A one-story house to the Colossi would have been a four-story house to humans. Yeah. I like the idea more that the, at least for, maybe they decorated the outside. Maybe they're more likely to create reliefs. You know, eventually when they mm -hmm. took time, they would, you know, carve relief images of the Exodus up yeah. to this. Yeah. Know, because on the outside. I, I keep thinking about making it in my head look like they've adapted it, but it's 900 years old. It would, it would look different. <laughs> Yeah, you know, true. you know, New York City two hundred years ago was very different than New York City today. Yeah, so well, I think it'd be also fun growth. to have people. You know, they would have created their own architecture over time, but still built Ooh. around a lot of this stuff. Speaking of, there's a part in the later in the book that talks about how you determine what the architecture looks like. Yeah, because I could see it being honestly, it would be a little bit more um, Syracuse. Syracuse has a big mixture of architecture. Sure does. I mean, very. I see some It's like weird. It's yeah, weird. It's it's a there's a bizarre variety of architecture downtown. Like, look at this really awesome <laughs> Victorian thing next to a really awesome old Gothic thing. Yeah, and then a little to... ways up here is this clearly district of buildings made in like 1970. Yeah, you know they have that real vibe. It's and and here's a street that just randomly has brownstones. Right, you and know, then we have sort of an incredible creation of brownstones. Yeah, and then of course with Syracuse, if anybody ever gets here, um, Batman definitely hangs out on one of our buildings. Oh yeah, because um, it's got like freaking gargoyles hanging yeah, off. Yeah, it's amazing. The old Niagara Mohawk building with the, yeah, it's it's ludicrous. So, so oh, yeah, yeah, that's how art. I, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the Art Deco building. That's uh, I'm going to put a sh note in the show notes to the National Grid building because it actually is pretty famous. Yeah, that's a really cool building. But I could see Estrock being that way. Just, yeah. You know, you definitely have these big buildings, but even the ones, 
Oh, you know, I kind of like the idea of as they expanded out over the time, the the colossal structures that they built into the facades that they put on them, the way they treated them started to change. And then like they retrofit. Yeah, like they retrofit them. And then everything maybe around them kind of spilled out of whatever. Mm-hmm. So that we have like. we have elvish architecture from the early settlers blooming out of. So yeah. you know what this means? We have to come up with is we have to come up with what did colossal architecture look like? Well, I figured yes yeah, that. I mean, it, we would have to eventually. I know because that's going to be the design. Because I've always in my, in my head, I've been picturing it as fairly brutalist. Right. Yeah, but I guess maybe we shouldn't. I mean, I've always seen it. Okay, so define brutalist. I guess brutalist is in the actual brutalist design philosophy. Have you ever seen that? No, I don't it's, think so. Um, oh, brutalist design is oh like USSR in the mid eighties. Oh, like get her done. Um, like- less get her done and. I call them supervillain buildings. So if you type in brutalist oh, architecture into okay, Google Images, okay. that's brutalist architecture. It's all very sharp, severe angles. I mean, there's some beautiful brutalist architecture, but it is very, dis- like, there's no finery. There's no um, small little details. It's all harsh angles and big blocks and things like that. It's, it's yeah, rare that you see a curve. That's interesting. Isn't that cool? It's interesting, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, the houses that I'm seeing are definitely very cool, but some of these buildings just oppressive. Oh, oh, well, there's a reason that it's not popular nowadays. Well, yeah, I would think. So, it's huh. I think it's meant to evoke strength, which is one of the reasons why I believe in the USSR in the mid-80s it was very popular. I could be wrong yeah. about that. I'll no, do a history might be, of brutalist architecture. Yeah, that's uh interestingly harsh stuff. But so no, I can my see head, that now that I'm seeing it, I can see where I why you're picturing it yeah so i'm sort of picturing the colossal expanse in the buildings as being brutalist in nature and then i love the idea of like and then the elves retrofitted some like very curvy beautiful carved things into it and that burst out of it almost like a fish tank with plants growing out of the top yeah so um that is really something i don't i don't i guess i mean i've seen buildings like that but you didn't know it had a specific style huh no it is it does have a very much like a fascist pastiche to it or whatever it's Mm -hmm. like like i feel like hitler probably really dug this stuff i don't know hitler was into that um well what was that big city they built that was i don't know this is i don't teach history either i know he was really big into wagner operas and yeah that's true Hmm. um no the anyway the brutalist stuff works we digress. Yeah. All right. Can we talk about climate? Sure. I mean, it's got to be a brief conversation, right? It's going to be a brief conversation, but there's elements to it. Oh, okay. Oh, well, first of all, why is it important to dictate the um, the mapping of the city? Why is that important to the table? Let's bring it to the table. Oh, okay. So why is um, it important to have a map of where generally how a city is laid out? So now, I mean, you primarily play. I want to know your thoughts as a primarily player. Um, it just helps you to envision it a little bit better rather than keep us all kind of thinking in the same direction, right? I mean, if we get the idea, oh, the shops are in this direction, the whatever in this direction, we might vaguely remember that. I mean, mm-hmm. we tend to handle cities as a little bit more of, I, I would call it theater of the mind-ish, right? Sure. I yeah. mean, nobody's cart, you know, writing them down, but for some players, it's probably real important to have a map of the city. So you should have a general layout of the city. Yeah. Just to I mean, I know, think adapt so. to play types. Yeah. So we've been talking about, if we go back to climate now, we've been talking yeah. about Esterok and the Forland Peninsula as being pretty, um, I think one time you said it was like um, equatorial. Okay. You yeah. picture it as being like fairly equatorial, which would make it pretty tropical. Yeah. So I'm going to read to you from the section on the tropical climate. Tropical climates are zones of heat and humidity, generally possessing year-round warmth and frequent precipitation sufficient to be boons for hyper-diverse flora and fauna. Because this climate impacts coastal regions almost exclusively, cities must contend with storms and hurricanes. When disaster strikes, citizens are confronted with torrential downpours, flooding, and even tidal waves. Fire at least is infrequent as the lush, heaving foliage resists flames. When fires do break out, the smoke is dark and heavily obscuring. Several of that doesn't apply to us. Yeah. Because we are heading towards the coast, but we're going to have to deal with storms. So maybe that's one of the reasons that these bridges survived this long is because they were built within surviving Estorakian storms in mind. Yeah, they were in that region. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, dep- uh, so city planning. Despite an abundance of resources, much of a tropical city's wealth is spent on maintaining the integrity of structures against encroaching plant life and protecting the citizenry from opportunistic predators. I love that line. Yeah. That's, that's that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, that's definitely everything in a nutshell. Yeah. They're like keeping the plants from trying to take over, even though they're way up above them. So when you picture the mountains in Estorok, 
Do you picture the Jurassic Park mountains? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, so we're on the same yeah. page. Yeah, that's definitely what I see. Like, I like want, maybe like, far off. Like if you get to the top and you look way, 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 way off, if this, maybe you could see snowy peaks somewhere. But yeah, I like to imagine that the mountains are pretty lush. Yeah. Which also solves a couple of our problems as far as like wood. Yeah. Make it everywhere. Make it easy to, yeah. These are like giant lush tropical mountains. Mm-hmm. There it is. Yep. Um, culture. Tropical citizens prefer lightweight, water-resistant clothing to beat the elements. Typical wearing little. Superstitions are extensive as dense forests and open seas give cause to all too many unexplained phenomenon. For those who have a connection to nature and spirits, locals are likely to regard them as warmly as they are to distrust or even shun them. So that helps us determine, like, what do, what is the what does it look like that people dress like in Point Reach? What is it... So it's a hot city. Yeah, it's so going everyone's to be, dressing. It's going to deal with lots of rain, yeah. lots of precipitation, which is why we already have a sewer system built into the causeway yeah. to drain water away and use that water. We can have, I like the idea that they, they drill into the sewers and create waterways and water wheels that they use to power things like smithies yeah. and things like that all around the city. Mm-hmm. And it also gives them an opportunity to build... Um, reservoirs and things like that to provide water because you have to have water for your citizens yeah fresh water fresh water exactly um who knows what's in that water down in that river yeah (laughs) it's probably fine it's just coming down out of the mountains right so geography this is interesting geography and climate story hooks um oh it's things like earthquakes and hurricanes oh okay uh like there's one here's one of them i'll read one of them record-setting earthquakes imperil the foundations of this of a city and the people's are driven to panic, flee, and even loot amid the destruction. A lone patriot, a geomancer of blemished repute, I believe geomancer is a cobalt press thing. Oh, okay. Claims the source, sounds cool though, claims the source of the calamity is elemental and seeks to brave heroes to venture down into a fissure within them and hope to save the city and what most may say would be a suicide mission. So like, oh no, we're having earthquakes. We have to go down into the lava crack. And- These aren't natural earthquakes. They're not something stirring. There's something dark. <laughs> Suddenly it's a 70s movie trailer. There's dark something dark. and deep. Deep and dark. Um, so climate. Mm-hmm. Why is that important to the table? If we bring I'm, climate, let's bring it to the table. I'm going to start bringing, saying bring it to the table all the time now. Yeah. I mean, well, obviously just, I think, well, you know, climate does kind of uh, imply a certain level of culture. Yeah. Somebody's bound to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Just flavor again. And as the DM, the ability mm-hmm. to go, oh, you're looking out and you're in the marketplace and it's a sea of flowing, bright colored silk outfits. Yeah. Because yeah, you guys are wearing, you know... You guys look, you guys really stand out in your, you know, you just came from down where it was cooler in your, in your mm-hmm. pants. You're exactly. And here you, you do, you stand out or maybe you need to, if you're wearing warm weather gear or cold mm-hmm. weather gear and you go up into the point reach and you don't change your, your, your equipment, then your, your DM can say, well, are you, if you guys are going to continue to wear, I'm sorry, Mr. Paladin, if you're going to continue to wear your full plate armor, I'm not saying that we should penalize people for wearing full plate in point reach right. but that's the sort of flavor well, I mean, that makes it, it also feel alive just, it also just helps people determine their overall aesthetics in their mind like when they're trying to picture their character what are they most likely wearing if they're from point reach what did they you know again culturally what does everybody wear what is, what makes sense so I yeah guess that's if we applied this table. exact same thing to um last call mm. which is more temperate yeah it's at the well that's still pretty tropical it's at the edge of the verge but it's lower yeah and more in tune with the nature so it's so not just gonna, as yeah i would say that their mode of dress is probably more aesthetically different mm-hmm. you know um Being maybe closer to the ground yeah maybe you'd have more color down on the ground than you would up it's possible maybe they rely mostly on metallics yeah and mm-hmm. the and it's more chromatic so like all of the the fabrics are colors of gray and gold and things like that in point reach that's what's popular and it's greens and browns right. and orange, you know, oranges. Yeah, because like um, Point Reach would be like almost any you know city. They just have the luxury of looking at things differently up there and wearing sure. things differently, and and you know maybe even considering and most of them don't have to wear all. armor all the time because they're not likely to be attacked by a giant uh, slither shadow. Yeah, at any exactly. Moment. Yep. But they will be attacked by something because there's going to be pests. There's going to be Estorakian pests in Point oh, yeah. Reach, yep. and they fly. <laughs> I've already decided. They fly. They have to deal with basically pterodactyl pigeons. Yeah, mosquitoes up um, there are unbelievable. <laughs> the mosquitoes are the size of house cats. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. So, and then we're into this section about architecture. Now, I, I think, honestly, that's what we're saying. Like, how do you reflect... How does architecture reflect in the... Based on the climate? So 
I'm assuming like shade is going to be important. Mm-hmm. There's going to be lots of canopies that overhang, but they're not going to be made of trees. They're going to have to be made of material and things like that. But you can't yeah. make them out of metal because you'll cook everyone. Yeah, and you'd have a lot of, um, you'd have so much cultural variety. We could literally just go reference various cultures and how they keep places cool. So you you're know, saying we should appropriate things from other cultures? Yeah, absolutely. That's literally <laughs> what I'm saying. We shouldn't appreciate them. We should appropriate them. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we should go. We're we're not going to do that because that's bad, everyone. It is bad. But no, we Um, could appreciate, and you know, there's sure different ways that they do it and integrate them because that's exactly what it would be like. They take the best ideas from each culture that's come up over the past thousand years. Mm -hmm. So we've said that over time, over the 900 years or so, uh, that a lot of these different species from D&D have interbred to the point where your, your pure dwarf, pure halfling, pure elf is more rare. Yeah. Still exists, but it's more rare. Right, because we just don't want to limit players and if they want to... Exactly. Enough, this is the enough. you play whatever you want to play. Yeah. Kind of. That, that's why... Bringing that to the table, that's the reason for that. Yeah. So if Point Reach is this like melting pot of different kinds of peoples, it wouldn't have been built that way, though. People would have had... Like, do you imagine that there were people who were like, ugh, the elves are on the big bridge. Come on, lads. Let's our uh, daughters go down here and build on this little lower bridge closer to the mountains. Well, actually, we've already written in that in the story with yeah. Raghold, yeah. where a whole bunch of underdwelling, uh, underground dwelling species well, I would think that architecture, buggered off over there. Yeah, I think that issue of cultural architecture would be handled when we start talking about districts, because I would imagine there's an older district which has much more of a... Um, oh, like maybe an arts district that used to be the Elvish district before it was sort of uh, all Right, you can up. actually yeah. see almost a delineation where initially the cultures didn't blend. And then as you move and as the city grows, you can see where architecture starts to blend and you see bits of Elvish this and Gnomish that kind of integrating until it becomes Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. So I'm so glad you articulated that because that means that the central part of the city Mm -hmm. in the center, in the core, the first places are going to be distinct. Yeah. And then as you get out farther, it'll be more blended. Yeah. So now we have this radiating style of architecture. Yeah. That's cool. I'm writing that down. I'm calling it radiating architecture for anyone who's curious at home. <laughs> when he says, I'm going to take a picture of my notes and tweet it, and everyone's going to think I'm an idiot. They have a strange revergence. Um, it's almost like revergence, except in their architecture. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, they would hate to hear that, though. Yeah, I know. Um, reflecting. So how? So this talks about architecture reflecting the culture. That's yeah. what we just talked about. Yeah. Reflecting the age. And Which then we've talked about that, be. too. Yeah. Yeah, because the with the brutalist too retrofitted to other designs would reflect the age of the city. That yeah. over time that style has changed, and as the city has grown in advance, we've talked about how it's become more clockworky and arcane, right. um, and more magic punky as they've advanced their magical technology. And so there's going to be elements that over top of that whole thing are you're gonna have bright, you know, bright and shiny and chrome and glass yeah. elements that are gonna be overlaid over everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you go down like low to the lower bridges in the poor areas and it's back to almost exclusively brutalist. Yeah. The, is it, we talking about the fallen bridge, right? Yeah. The, the one that's half broken. <coughs> um, yeah, that, that, that would definitely be that way. Oh, I love this. That, so the, these different areas, these different bridges and neighborhoods, mm-hmm. you can describe what's the predominant architectural style Yeah, and things like that. And are there really bridges that life. go between these? Like physical bridges built between these sections more? I like to envision they're too far apart for physical bridges. But one of the things we did say is that one, because everyone's working on building an area, that this would have teleportation circles. Right. Um, that go between and oh, that's uh, right. cable yep. cars. Yeah, cable cars. Cable cars and teleportation circles to get between yeah. the bridges. And that way, there can still be an element of controlling who's allowed in what area. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because no matter what, no matter how egalitarian it was when it was founded... I'm sure there's someone who's decided mm-hmm. they're better than someone else and doesn't want them in their oh, area. Oh, you know, I was listening to Mastering Dungeons today, I think. I was listening to some podcast and they and they mentioned Eberron again, and it made me wonder, do we have trains? I don't envision us having trains. Okay. Well, we got, you know, it was Mastering You know, was, I don't know why Mastering I don't Dungeon. envision us having trains. Because okay, I, I, I feel like it'd just be copying Eberron. Right. What about a monorail? A monorail. That's exactly what's in Eberron is a monorail. I know. I know. It's the elemental monorails. Um, it's just because Eberron is the coolest campaign setting ever created. Right. In my opinion. It is pretty rad. I yeah. love Eberron. So we don't have trains, but we did, We could have cable car heists. We could have cable car heists. Okay. And I do like the idea of, um, and there's definitely some sort of mass transportation that goes along the colossal expanse. Yeah. But I, 
envision it as being more like I don't know. I just kind of envision it being more like typical D and D caravans. Okay. Um, yeah. Just well traveled road. Because exa- they literally the whole of the civilization is built on a giant road. Yeah. All right. So I don't know. I was I just listening to it and I go, geez, do we have trains there? I don't know. I don't think it so. It would be cool it? to have trains. I don't know. Some don't form know. of train. Yeah. Or maybe there's a special Astarakian beast that's really good at pulling caravan yeah, that's fun too because hmm. because then you because i was just thinking for opportunities again story hook wise i'm thinking like you know murder on the orient express type oh well train i mean that was the selling point when eberron first came out i don't know if you were playing when eberron first came out right because there's 3.5 days yeah no and like that was the sentence you were always billed when they first came with eberron it's like imagine a D setting where you can have a fight on the top of a moving train while dual wielding wands like pistols and firing them off at each other. Oh, okay. That's awesome. That was always the picture. Like a, a dragon mark tattoo wizard with a wand in each hand or sorcerer, a wand in each hand leaping while on a moving train shooting at two bad guys down the cars. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that that's cool. Hmm. All right. And then reflecting the technology. How does architecture reflect the technology? Which we actually just discussed. That, yeah. Um, as they have developed the arc, especially the arcane academy, which floats above the whole city connected by giant chains. They unless have there is a, a disaster. Unless there's a disaster in which they pull the lever, crunk. So and the, it goes the, the one away. lever. Remember the, we talked the about The one singular lever. One single it's, lever. It, where is that lever? We misplaced it. Oh, it's just over there. I put a box on it. The magic history erase button. I'll use it as a hat rack. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a very complicated series of lovers. I like to imagine that. Which Superman movie is it with Richard Pryor? Superman 3. Yep. Is the one where he has to like knock the one guy out and then like tie a rope around his wrist to turn the two keys at the same time? Well, yeah, I believe that's like the nuclear weapon protocol. That's what they were copying, where you had to have the two guys insert the keys at the same time, look at each other dramatically, wonder if they should do this, turn the key, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. The scene of whichever bad guy getting pulled into the wires and cables of that in the end of that movie haunted me as a child. Oh, yeah. yeah haunted I me. That. I don't know why, but it was horrific. That and drunk Superman flicking peanuts. Which is really crazy. Yeah. What was the... What was I don't that? even remember the story, of the, mo- the story of the movie. I just remember those scenes. <laughs> I'll put a note in the show notes. You guys can check out Superman 3. Yeah, you may... Or maybe not maybe or i don't remember it being a good movie either no it is not it's not a good movie i mean have todd and casey reviewed reviewed superman 3 Ooh, i don't know if they have i'll put a link to their show <laughs> yeah superman 3 was i mean superman superman is good superman 2 is good i prefer the lester cut to the donner cut that's a fight me okay um, i just think it was better i just thought it was more fun. i don't know what that means but okay so what it was was it was another one of those situations where they were um richard donner was going to do i believe the original intention was to do superman one and two together okay but there was a production and this one casey when he eventually gets this episode will fill me in on because i'm sure i'm wrong partially anyway donner ended up being off wanted to wanted out um didn't finish superman two so they bring in uh can't remember the guy's first name lester oh he didn't want to alan smith yet he just wanted out he yeah so someone he, else this, take the this job lester guy came in restructured a lot of it um changed it quite a bit years later uh during the superman returns era you would get the donner cut restored um but the the lester cut was the one i always watched when i was a kid so it ended up being the one i preferred um, what is even the plot of superman 2 i don't actually think i've seen it really I superman 2 is with ursa non and uh zod that's oh, when, is that Superman 2? That's Superman oh, 2. Oh, Superman 1 is Lex Luthor. Yes. Superman 2 is Zod. Okay. So, yeah, Zod. That's why in the beginning of you Superman... You mean the one where Superman straight up murders some people at the end of the movie? That's... Yes. That's, <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> does Lois, just, like, by the way. pushes them into an endless chasm of death. Lois also does. But you know, he has a history of killing Zod, even in the <laughs> comics, despite what Men of Steel people will say that he, but he, he did that before. But no, that's why in Superman 1, you see Ursa, Zot, you know, Terrence Stamp and everyone getting um, sent into the Phantom Zone. And and you see that whole bit because he was filming it all at once. Ah. And that's why they actually had that do, that trio in that. But then the sequel goes in definitely different directions. Like, you know, Superman's throwing the giant cellophane Superman insignia. Yeah, what's up with that? And it's just obviously one of his powers. Okay. <laughs> Though, I'll tell you what, during the pre-crisis era, it's possible. They used to just make him do whatever ridiculous thing they needed him to do. So maybe that would have worked. But I like um, the Lester cut better because that's the one that has general care to step outside when he's mm-hmm. ripping up the, you know, Superman standing out there with his arms crossed. And then they get into a huge superhero fight. 
I love a good superhero fight. Yeah. But in Estrock, they probably have superhero fights too. Uh, sure. I want to get ahead of myself a little bit because this is all this section. It, the next section starts building up different districts, which I feel like it should be its own episode. And we're already at 43, 40 minutes yeah. into this. So we only have a little bit more time for our normal, you know, our, yeah, our target our run length of 45 length. minutes. Yeah. Um, but I just want to cheat a little bit and pull from the future. Uh, pests. I do mm-hmm. think like part of our architecture needs to be built around the fact that we've talked about how this city was built to survive, but also out of fear. Yep. Fear of the revergent nature, fear of the the flora and fauna on the surface. Mm-hmm. And over time, they have definitely like I hate using the word tamed areas of the Foreland Peninsula. Yeah. Um, specifically the uh, towards the coast, which is used for farming. You could just say but, populated. Yeah. Populated. There you go. Yeah. I just hate. I hate the word tamed. Yeah. Um. But it was. It was built because they were afraid of the surface. Mm-hmm. We've already talked about how in last call, people from Point Reach, there's conflict because they're like, uh, I'm uncomfortable being this close to the verge. I'm uncomfortable being this close to the surface. Yeah. Um. And that's really a thing. I think that needs to be like culturally a thing in Point Reach is like a fear of like almost an agoraphobia. Only it's I stay in my city because it's the only safe thing I've got. Right. I definitely picture an um, an agoraphobic type approach. If you're oh. a person who wants to go off into the verge and adventure, and you're from Point Reach, you're a friggin' weirdo. Yeah. They're like, and, well, you're dangerous. You're dangerous people. Why don't you go? But ahead that go? said, they are completely yeah. dependent upon areas near the verge. Mm-hmm. For Iliaster, which they use to power all their cool magic arcane stuff. Yeah. So it's the, so there are people from Point Reach who do venture out. They, yeah. you know, the Academy has a the Academy has a satellite in Laskal. Yep. That functions near the Verge because that's how they get their materials, and that's and they in turn provide all these settlements along the uh, on the surface and in the colossal expanse with the necessary magics to prevent the Verge from taking them over. Mm-hmm. And so they are slowly developing and populating out using the magic from Point Reach. Yeah. It's definitely the seed of civilization, but I, I always want there to be this, oh, we're so civilized, like trying using civilization and their advancement as a veneer to hide the fact that they're very scared. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's probably probably, probably a fairly realistic thing. Um, But I want there to be one way they can't keep the natural world out. And I'm- I want flying pests. So we can create a class of exterminators. Yeah, like there's that. Straight up pros. Also, yeah. pterodactyl riders. Yeah, Maybe not sure. pterodactyls. Right. But there should, be, there should be monsters that fly that they have to deal with. Oh, yeah. And there's, there's monsters The city guard that, has something to do. Yes. So I like the idea of two kinds of pests. I like the idea of there being... I think Slither Shadow... I said Slither Shadows wouldn't be in Point Reach, but I disagree with that. Yeah. They would probably crawl up through the sewer system from the bottom. Mm-hmm. You would have to... You'd run in them from time to time. Um, I like the idea. I already told you my idea of the weird upside down spider things that look like a person with like spider legs going up Mm -hmm. and just like as a dangling body. Yeah. As it crawls along the underside of the stone. I like that. 100% happens. Yeah. Because it's horrific looking. Yeah. Um, and I like the idea of some sort of a flying bird of prey, basically a a large, scary bird of prey. And now we could, from a design perspective, just say pick any SRD bird of prey. I think rocks might be too big, but um, yeah, I'm no, sure I mean, someone that's... has created a SRD monster, or we could make our own. But again, but... given the um, you know the the climate of the area, uh, it, at the very least, insects would be a huge deal. Oh, you, you, that's right. You can't yeah. live in a jungle and just so think swarms, bugs are going to pass insect you Insect swarms would be a problem. Yeah, swarms would be cool. And um, swarms would be cool. I mean. Maybe there's Obviously. like an annual or like every well cicadas cicadas hatch like what every there's sixteen and seventeen year cicadas and things like that. Yep, you can have that, but just have the. We could have something like version. that where it's like, oh, oh no, it's the year the the, mm-hmm. the cicada the Asterakian cicadas hatch in the mountains and they come flying down to the to yeah, the river. Well, to interesting spawn. pests could come out of the mountains down. Hmm. But I mean, yeah, you'd have rats. Rats would be a big deal. Rats would really be drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, pests would definitely be a that so would have, definitely be a day to day struggle. Weird monsters that cling to the underside that are like uh, vermin, like that. Some flying vermin. So there's there's their own. There's always going to be, even though it's safe, it's the natural term. world still yeah. finds its way. Yeah, life finds a way. You're you know you're not likely to get a stampede of like. You know, a bunch of talon cats going on. Talon cats don't bother to go all the way up here. It's not their thing. But best name for a monster. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it was my idea to give that to you. I'm just kidding. I know. Well, and you, but you're right. You were not going to find a talon cat in Point Reach. Right. It's just they not are its area. definitely a terrestrial creature. Now 
you might find a verge warden who's forced to come to Point Reach and mm-hmm. not happy about it, who rides his Talon Cat. Right. And then comes into the city with his talent cat, and then that's a fun conflict to have. Yeah, and you can have those moments where the kids think it's awesome, and the parents are like, "Dear God, <laughs> get that murderous creature out of here!" Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, so I do want to spend some time eventually, like developing, like what are the what are the pests? Mm-hmm. Because that's also going to reflect in the technology and things like that. How would they design the city in a way to protect them? Yeah, if you had larger insects, that. how do you you know you want to keep air moving through it? How do you keep them out of your houses? How do you? Mm-hmm. Like the number one way to prevent mosquitoes, the number one, the best thing to stop mosquitoes from you is a fan. Right. Yes, that I know. If blowing wind. They, they can't. They, They're not good they have no ability to fight a breeze. Yep. My brother, I believe, said that when he was in Iraq um, during the desert storm, uh, they used to use PAM as instead of insect repellent because the mosquitoes i want to say pam because the mosquitoes couldn't light on it they don't light they can't land on oil very well they basically can't do their thing it was something like that maybe it was my brother one of them i do know that's a thing they're not very good landers either like they're very sensitive to everything okay so we have a rough map yep with no districts because we're going to do districts next week Mm -hmm. we have a climate that is mm-hmm. tropical. Yes. We have and we have architecture that reflects the cultures. Yeah, the cultural growth. That, as they change over time. The growth and integration, yeah. Mm-hmm. The climate, the age, and the mel- not only in the change of architecture over time of people blending, yeah. but also of uh, uh, modifying and retrofitting old, the ancient mysterious architecture yeah and then we have reflecting the technology as they have advanced magically in this world Mm -hmm. that's like i see this is why i think this is cool i feel like that's a much more than if i were to sit down with a notebook and have just just tried to create this never would have touched a lot of this stuff never would have thought of any of that stuff Mm -mm. no so if you're listening to this and you're like why am i listening to this why do i care why bring it to my table this city feels more alive and more real because of those steps in my opinion yeah well now that you know now that we know what kind of temperature and we you know that even so you just established the climate now it's easier for me to picture what's it like walking down the street here it's hot and then uh, yeah it's hot i'm seeing the vendors uh i'm you know i can see the i I don't know i'm fascinated with the idea of the integrated architecture in the areas different Mm -hmm. types of statues different there's probably like remember we talked about water pouring out from Mm -hmm. the because it's always raining and stuff like that yeah so it's always raining and always rushing down out and running down into that river way down Mm -hmm. there's going to be rivulets and waterfalls everywhere we have them powering water wheels on the side of the bridges that turn how about giant big fans that just spin and create a perpetual breeze over certain areas yeah which would also repel certain insects exactly that's the point yeah so Maybe that's one of the defining features of Point Reach is the giant, giant arcane spinning fans that create a fake breeze. Yeah. When there when there isn't one, they can turn when them on. When there isn't off. one, yeah, they can definitely turn those on and off. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah, it's I like that. More of a, I like the fans too. Yeah. It's just feel it's feeling more real. It's feeling yeah, it's definitely I mean, way as real more as a than, fantasy city on a bridge can feel. Yeah, way more than when I mean we never even talked about it at all. So would we yeah. have to so the the opposite of this would be to develop would we would we apply the same thing? to Farpoint, the same book. You mean Last Call? Last Call. Same, Farpoint. <laughs> well, that's it. That's going to be the broken, that'll that'll break the programming for me from now on. But would that be the same thing, right? Like, would we use the same book to do Last Call or do we take a different I'm not approach? sure. I was thinking about that same exact thing just a few minutes ago. Like, should we, you know, apply this? And I think we actually, we retroactively could, but it would just do it, I would just do that probably as an article for the website. Yeah. Um, Hmm. Kind of like, because I already have the document of Last Call written. Yeah, so because it's going to be, it's going to be, I, I feel like Last Call is somewhat of a sprawling thing, but not like this. It's not dense. Right. Oh, no. Right. And it's, it's, and it's still, I mean, we, we talk about Last Call, like it's, I think, what is it? We, I can compare it to Deadwood. Um, yeah. So it's definitely, you know, like it's a frontier town, town. Yeah. But it's not, it's still big. <laughs> Yeah, it's still large. It's, it's a large. It's a city. It yeah, yeah. So. Because I just watched Quick and the Dead the other day when we were home with the stomach flu, and that's like also like Dead Witch. It's this little. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there are places like that. There are small little settlements. They're yeah. pulled off because people wanted to be independent. They're pulled mm-hmm. off because uh, of various reasons. Um, they well, I mean, even to... in the American Old West, there would have been like you know, like Carson City was like I believe pretty big, but then mm-hmm. you had littler cities off to the sides. You know, yeah. miles and there's, apart. With 900 years, there's even time for, for settlements to have started next to natural resources because all cities start next yeah. to natural resources to be exploited. Yeah. They found a natural resource. They started a city or a settlement. They exploited the natural resource. It grew big. And then the, the natural resource 
died out and it shuttered back down. So you have like these kind of you we would have dwindling towns yeah. in Estrock as well yeah. along the way. Hmm. So much. You know, stuff maybe there. there's things built around, hey, maybe there's an, an old ruin off of the colossal expanse, a brutalist building temple that is half collapsed. And so a settlement built around it as they studied and built and delved into that for whatever remnants they could pull out of it. Yeah. And then there's enough time that any other cultures that may have set off into the verge could have created their own mm-hmm. architecture and buildings in and of themselves. So again, for various story hooks. Absolutely. We've talked yeah, multiple times about anything. people yeah. who go into the verge and they're never heard from again. We have to go find what yeah. happened to the Donner party in, yeah. in uh, the verge. Yeah. But that's not to say that someone didn't start a little like camp. It just probably didn't last very long. Yeah, because that's the that's the verge has always pre- represented our limiting factor. This mm-hmm. is like the thus far shall you come and no farther, mm-hmm. and uh, my little Bible quote of the day. The uh, so I was huh? <laughs> nothing. I just nothing. You like my Bible quote of the day? No, I just saw one on a car today, and oh. on, on every side of the car, every and, side of the car. Yeah, basically, if I'm not reading the King James Bible, then it ain't the Bible. Was like literally the quote on the car, which oh. I thought was okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And then I found the guy in the store because his shirt, his clothes from top to bottom also had Bible quotes everywhere. So I'm pretty sure it was his car. And if it wasn't, that's a crazy coincidence. He's a man who knows what he likes. Yeah, absolutely. And and bless him and and I hope he's happy. Yeah. Um I only know that quote because the very first when I was a very youngster, I got a I I was when I was a Catholic, Mm -hmm. I uh I was a lector and I was so obsessed with being a good lector. This is the person who does readings in the mass. That doesn't seem like And yeah, well, I, I was a lector and a <laughs> yeah. Eucharist minister and an altar boy and all the good stuff. That was nice. And um, it doesn't seem like me at all, does it? But <laughs> the very first time I had to do the reading, I was so stressed out about reading in front of the, all the people in church yeah. that I basically memorized the, the reading. Oh. So it's from the book of Job. Yeah. Again, anyway, it doesn't really matter. This. It's not I relevant. I was about to start like, spouting it yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. I only went to like summer Bible camps for like peanut butter sandwiches and free lunches and things. Hey. Didn't work on that. me, but I went every year because it gave me some. I mean, to I do told you my days. mother my mother invited Mormon missionaries into my house and and everything like that. And they gave us Mormon lessons. Which is just clever. then she could get the laundry done. That's really clever. <laughs> so anyway, everyone. It's all, all right. added to the tapestry that is Talon. Sure. So all right, but that I think is all the time we have for today. I think yeah. that's it. That's a good amount of development for our city. Um, so thank you everyone at home for listening and supporting the show. Please don't forget to uh, subscribe and rate the show on your podcast player of choice. It really helps us out. Yeah. Uh, for more information or to peruse the latest drafts of our creations, visit our website at www.fourthpillarofplay.com. All spelled out. All spelled out. F O U R. F. Yes, exactly. T-H-F-O-U-R-T. That's right. (laughs) And there you can also like, follow, or message us on Twitter or Instagram. Or you can also email us because every now and then check that. And uh, so thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. And we look forward to creating more with you.